Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. It is July the 27th. We are on the road. Today is day 21, I think, Julie. Yes, indeed. 21 of our, holy tamale, we are getting close to halfway through our cross-country sojourn. Yes, the bridge to the other half of our trip is indeed Monterey Car Week in uh, the Monterey Peninsula in California, but Well, let's tell them where we're going. Let's tell them where we're going next. So we are in um, an absolutely stunningly gorgeous, I have to say, Oregon huge surprise yes some of the most beautiful driving we've ever done 100 percent. and we've done a lot of driving as soon as we get off five right yes or, i'm sorry the five for those of you in california but as soon as we get off the five uh, oregon is stunning it I, is. I have to say oregon is probably as pretty as any of the uh parts of the country we've been to thus far including yellowstone i have to say i would agree with that yeah and we were and yeah. we saw elk along the side of the road mm-hmm. we saw Huge sand dunes. And so where are we right now? Bandon, Oregon, which is on the coast. Right. And we've got about, I think, about a three-hour drive, give or take, with traffic down to Klamath, California, which is on the northern border with California and Oregon, going into the Redwood Forest. And for sure, we've had coaching clients in Klamath. I actually remember that yes, area. Yes, for sure. Uh, so as far as uh, this area, beautiful. You thought you heard a whale this morning. We're... It had to have been because I've never heard anything like that before. We're so. basically on the other side of the street from the beach. And I'll tell you what, if you wanted to have beachfront real estate, this place is yet largely undiscovered. Now, granted, it's mm-hmm. kind of chilly. And granted, there is a very, very thick layer of marine um, fog that basically seems to roll in about midday. But still, what a wonderful it's place to live. Though. Yeah, and, and I would agree with you. It doesn't seem to be extremely priced when you compare it to other beachfront no, areas. Absolutely not. So let's talk about where we're going to be staying next if any of them wanted to pop by and visit us. We're going, well, we're, you remember off the top of your head? Uh, Klamath will be next. Okay. And that's for three days, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the Redwood area. Crescent City, I think, is over there. And then we're going to drive to Napa. And we've already got a couple things set up where there. Are we, where are we staying in Napa? Do you remember? Uh Ask me again. We'll ask you. <laughs> we'll ask you tomorrow. Yes, it's yeah. in Napa. It's one of the uh, resort hotels. I can't. It sounds like a wine. It's Napa, I, uh, Julie. Meritage, I think. Meritage. Yeah, I that's think it. That's right. Which is a bunch of different kinds of wine. Yeah. Yeah. So we are staying. Uh, evidently, I think it's a Meritage Hotel and, and spa. And spa. Like yeah. Yep. So if you're in the Napa area, which a lot of you are again, because we have had. I don't know, tens of thousands of coaching clients in California, do consider stopping by and seeing us. We'd love to sit down with you and have a conversation with you, have a cup of coffee and go on a walk with us. We've been doing that all over the country. We don't always post who we're meeting with and, and whatnot, but still it's been, because most of the, the, you know, the visits have been very informal. It's been wonderful, honestly. Yes. And then after that, that'll be a few days in Napa. And then we've got, I think three days before we actually need to be in the Monterey area. And mm-hmm. we're going to be parked there for a week. So those of you who are in the, uh, Monterey Peninsula, which would be including Salinas, Carmel, Carmel by the Sea, Carmel Valley, all of that kind of area. Um, that's a great place to meet up with us and yep. maybe uh, learn a few things about cars while you're there. <laughs> because <laughs> right, exactly. in spite of yourself, whether you want to or not, that's what that week's about. We might actually take the week off from podcasting that week. 
Yeah, so I can, might. So I can fully absorb the nerdism. You can the, nerd out on your cars. The automotive nerddom hedonism yes. of Car Week. Yeah. I might actually. Or maybe do some little mini, um, you know, we can do some mini check-ins or something. <laughs> podcast with car nerds. Yes. Let's see how, how uh, resilient our podcast listeners are. They put up with it. Right. But yeah, guys, listen, thanks for it. I have to say, we didn't originally intend on putting this trip together with the idea of it being something like it's become. It's become something of a phenomena um, and that we are picking up uh, lots of people that are listening to us. I think because we're, uh, frankly, traveling all over the country and we're mm-hmm. seeing a lot of new people in places and we're seeing our Instagram followers go through the roof, which, by the way, we are posting pictures and little mini videos on Instagram. So if you want sort of a live um, report of what we're doing and where we're uh, and where we are and who we're meeting with, just go to Instagram and we're Tim and Julie Harris. So we are going to flip back to our regularly regularly scheduled uh, channel and content. We're going to be talking and drilling down more about the real estate stuff that will appeal to all of you. After all, this is the nation's number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents. And by the way, thank you for continuing to make it so. Um, so Julie, what is the topic that we're going to be discussing with these guys yes. in the next few days? We're actually wrapping up the series that we began last week before the uh, Glenn Sanford interview, and that mm-hmm. is, is there a surprise housing adjustment? Now, there have been some headlines around from different entities calling it a crash, and I think that that's absolutely... Well, we talked about that yesterday, right? Yeah, and that that's taking it way too far. But right. since they're hearing about it, reading about it, and trying to sort it out, here's an interesting headline, then we'll jump right back into how would you know... Remember, we're giving them different criteria and things to study in your own local market because what's happening in, say, Monterey, California might be completely different than Iowa City. So you've got to watch your own markets. So in case we're having anyone have a cortisol spikes right now, there is no, uh, there is going to be no housing crash. It's, there's not going to even be a meaningful housing correction in any parts of the country anytime soon. Uh, so don't worry. And the reason that Julie and I are giving you the anecdote to a lot of the hype that's out there is because a lot of the people that are trying to get you really nervous about a housing crash are the ones that are trying to tap into your fear of the unknown and the the, the lack of certainty about what comes next in the housing markets. Yes, I saw three emails yesterday because, you know, I'm licensed in Texas, so I get anything that's sent to Texas agents, for example, and all the NAR stuff. So people buy those lists and send us crap, right? right. Okay, so yesterday alone, I got three different emails from entities saying, all, all the foreclosures are coming to an end, and the, all these people are at super high risk. And then you mean all the forbearances I'm sorry, are coming forbearances. to an end? Forbearances. Yeah. Yes, I misspoke. So forbearances, as a result of the pandemic, you guys will remember that, and that you know that means that we're going to have all these people that can't make their house payments again. Well, you drill down on that, and of course, there's very little evidence to show that that's actually hitting the fan. Like and none. while there is a bit of that, it's such a micro, micro, micro percentage. And even here's the thing that's different, right? And then I'm going to go into some luxury home sales for just a second. Well, Rick Sharga, let's just bottom line it. Rick Sharga said, worst case scenario, um, there'll be maybe 250, am I getting these numbers right? Mm -hmm. 250,000 foreclosures. And guys, you got to understand that's not just all hitting the market at once. That's coming on the market over a long period of time. And that's if they even make it to foreclosure, which they probably won't because everyone's got equity. Exactly. And the government's got all these programs in place since preventing foreclosures. Guys, listen, bottom line is if there was going to be any sort of meaningful pivot in the real estate markets, trust your loyal podcast uh, hosts and coaches, Julie and I, that we would be way ahead of the curve like we always have been telling you guys what's going to happen next. But there's nothing like that happening now. Mm -hmm. So this information is more to calm your nerves as well as to give this information to your prospective clients. Mm -hmm. Now, I also want to point out psychologically, if you believe that tomorrow's not going to be, I say this, you know, I said this the other day too, because it's true. If you believe that tomorrow's not going to be better than today, you're not going to be doing things. You're going to be doing things today to make tomorrow darker 
than otherwise would have been. In other words, if you're not taking the steps necessary to essentially make it so that your tomorrows are going to be better, your tomorrows will be the same, if not worse. And that's the unfortunate habit that a lot of people have by listening to bad news. When you're allowing bad news and, you know, essentially if you're in, inputting voluntarily information that's making you feel scared or small, you're not going to learn new things. You're not going to take, you're not going to think big. You're not going to make the most of your life. You're not going to put yourself in a position to help people. You're going to be scared and you're going to hide out and you're going to wait for the clouds to clear and you're going to leave, uh, you know, decades on the table. You're going to lose huge swaths of your life just because you are believing that tomorrow was going to be worse than today. Because the people that are trying to sell you the bad news, they're not trying to sell you the bad news on the idea that you're going to somehow be better off because of it. They're trying to sell you the bad news with the idea that you need to be buying whatever it is they have for sale so that you can basically have a well-stocked cave as you wait for the apocalypse to clear. I mean, that's in essence how they act. So you got to be really, really careful who you listen to. And if you do happen to pick up noise, you got to be careful that you're not actually allowing it to, be, to affect your otherwise optimistic perspective on life. And all of you, whether you want to accept it or not, are optimists. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been crazy enough to get real estate licenses in the first place. Yes, that's for sure. So don't spend your money, especially on anybody trying to sell you forbearance lists, because that's actually illegal. And you'll see those companies dry up and go away pretty soon. And Oh, Jilly, yeah. someone texted me right before the show. How do you get information about eXp Realty, the Glenn Sanford? interviews were home runs obviously a lot of you guys really love that interview we uh, did it uh, day before yesterday so make sure you listen to that interview but if you want more information on exp realty just text exp to 47372 text exp to 47372 and when you do we're going to text you back a link that's going to take you to whylibertas.com watch the videos that are at the top of whylibertas.com it'll answer all your questions why you want to become an exp agent and why you most likely want to have julie and i be your sponsors and so we are formally applying to be your sponsor at exp realty so please go ahead and text exp to 47372 if you're ready to join today and you've basically gathered all your information, you're just looking for a sponsor, you can uh, text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. That is my real cell phone number, and we, we really will be communicating. And trust me, on this on some of these long drive days that we have mm -hmm. on, this, on this trip, I'm looking forward to talking with you guys just about anything um, other than listening to Julie and Zoe argue about what Z Julie's going to be buying at Zulily. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, just a couple of quick headlines for you guys to put in the hopper. And this is reported by several sources. Uh, most of it, I think they're pulling from Point Two Homes Analytics. But the multi-million dollar, quote, trophy home has been in hot demand since the pandemic. The number of homes that were sold for more than a million has increased by 81% over the past year, according to a new analysis, again, from Point Two Homes. Now, in the Midwest alone, the volume of homes sold for more than a million has doubled. In the Northeast, the number of luxury homes climbed by 98%. And in the South, sales were up by 94%. Also, the inventory that we're starting to see, because a lot of people are having these splash headlines, oh, more inventory hitting the market. Guess where it is? It's in the high end, primarily. Okay, so uh, especially California, as you would uh, expect, right? So the highest inventory of luxury real estate listings priced over a million or above San Francisco, Los Angeles, et cetera. So, oh, are we going to San Francisco, by the way? Have you decided? Yes. Uh, in between Napa and Monterey. Okay, there you go. Another <laughs> stop. Stop week, update. Week and a half, I would say. Okay, now we'll be reporting the play-by-play. -play. All right, so back to, we're, I think we're going to be able to hopefully wrap up our series about what's happening, what's, what's adjusting, and how would you know locally. So yes, you're going to see some national headlines, but you've got to know for your next listing appointment, are you actually affected by that? And the last time we talked to you about this, we talked about absorption rate. 
And the fact that most people say that if it's a six month supply of homes and there's a buyer for each property, that it is a balanced market. Now, for many of our listeners, that's going to sound a little scary, right? How can you imagine? I wrote down in my notes, what if you had to have a six month relationship with your seller clients? Now, we don't think that it's going to go that extreme, but what if you had to have a 90 day re- it relationship? It will. I mean, right? you're, but it's going to be two or three years from now. In yes. two or three years from now, you're going to start seeing. But but even that, Julie, I mm-hmm. have to say, I'm, I'm not even optimistic that even with a rising interest right. rates, let me just throw in some anecdotal sure, information. Please. So there was some concerns, and we talked about this in the first of this series that we're doing, that the interest rates were going to go up, and that would have some kind of effect. Obviously, maybe the people that are very affected by rising interest rates would take themselves out of the market. But there was that sort of what one could interpret as uh, housing news that maybe wasn't as optimistic as it otherwise could have been about the new builds that Julie and I read to you on the sh- uh, podcast four days ago. And you know the fact that there are maybe some slowing starts and the housing market had the fewest number of sales since April of 2020. I mean, we read all this to you the other day. I think what's going to happen, and it does, does make sense, that the Federal Reserve will use that very information as an excuse not to raise interest rates on- uh, Not on, to raise interest Not raise interest rates on mortgages. And I'll, furthermore, I'm going to say that even in your market, if you do have, because look, we've been traveling through big cities and small cities. And some of these small cities, Julie and I always are firing up the realtor.com, never Zillow. And we're always looking to see what's for sale in the towns we drive through. And we are seeing that even in these tiny little towns, the, there's you know ridiculously expensive real estate. It doesn't even really kind of make sense because the towns are sometimes two and three hours away from the nearest major city. Um, I think the least expensive anything we saw on this whole trip was 275 in one of these little dusty towns we drove through. Yeah, and that was just a tiny cottage. The thing that you got to understand is there's an excellent reason to believe that those prices will not fall. That's just the new set. That's the new baseline for the new pricing that's going to be existing going forward. And I'll give you the simplest of reasons why you can talk to our good friend and fellow Puerto Rican Harry S. Dent about this is that when you're looking at demographics, the number of millennials that are going to be forming families and buying homes is extraordinary. Um, and the, you know, bottom again, I don't hate to say bottom line that often, but really that's going to create a huge amount of demand in some of these towns that we're driving around. You know, it's obvious that most of the homes were built in the fifties and the sixties. Well, we're going to, and what happened? Baby boomers, their parents, right? They were building houses when the, the families were getting bigger post-World War II. There's these big, you know, uh, booms in suburbia all over the country. Something similar to that is happening now, though those 50s and 60s houses are getting remodeled. But you're also going to see an expansion of these cities, expansion of suburbia, as these millennials, of which there's a lot more millennials than there were baby boomers, start to, you know, make babies and form families. and <laughs> right. they Think indeed, how big their generations are going to be. Exactly. And they go through that same, you know, people buy their first house, their second house, the third house, and sometimes their fourth and fifth, and, and then they buy vacation homes. That whole cycle is repeating itself. So even with some kind of slowdown in the economy, because of the massive demand for housing that will not stop, you're not going to see any sort of meaningful slowdown in housing that's going to happen anytime soon. And furthermore, if you look at the number of people that are like people aren't buying houses right now for speculation. Agents, when was the last time you had anyone buy a house that says, I'm going to buy this house, I'm going to hold it for six months, and I'm going to flip it. I mean, people aren't really buying real estate that way anymore. It's almost impossible to get financing for that. So the reality of it is, is you're looking at long-term buyers that are looking for places to live. And that is a very good basis for a long-term housing market. And it's normal reasons. It's not speculative. It's not flipping. It's not all of these things that, you know, were endemic of the previous boom, right? These are normal reasons. People want a place to raise their family, good schools, et cetera. So what matters more, Jillian? I know I'm talking you off your points here, but what matters more? 
what the house for most people, the house payment or the price they pay. It's definitely the payment. It's definitely the payment. It's obviously the payment. So yeah. if your interest rates are super low right now and the payments, you know, basically what the same or less than what most of them are paying in rent. It, the pay, look, well, the I price, can tell you for sure that they are less than they're paying in rent because every time we lose a tenant, it's because they're buying a house. Yeah, exactly. I'm not losing them to other rents. We're raising our rents by yeah. 10%. So if any of our tenants are listening, sorry, your rents are getting raised. Well, so are our property taxes. So we're just basically keeping right. up with the, you know, the cost of owning property. But, you know, all these things are going to continue to, uh, you know, I think exponentially grow as far as the, the validity and the things that are creating a solid housing market, they're going to become more relevant, not less relevant. There's not all of a sudden going to be like, uh, all of a sudden people are just going to say, hell with it, I'm just going to rent for the rest of my life. That no. will never happen in America at no. the very least. No, and you know we've done other reporting on the some of the other facts is that credit scores are higher than they've ever been before, so people yep. can get loans, right? Okay, so how else will you know if you're moving more towards a perhaps balanced market? Point number three was, in a balanced market, homes sell within a few percentages of list price, not crazy amounts over list. Watch your list to sell price ratios, and many times that is price range specific, right? So say in the million and up, things are selling for a tick under a million and up, and maybe the 350 houses in your market are still selling for 375 in a competitive fashion. So watch what's going on. Point number four, in a balanced market, buyers have more homes to choose from. Wouldn't that be nice for you guys, right? More ability to negotiate on both price and inspection items. When you're finding more homes to show your buyers, you're seeing more inventory. More inventory means you're closer to a balanced market. None of these things are particularly bad, by the way. Uh, number five, in a balanced market, sellers have more time to prepare, but less power to push buyers around. So that could be a little bit uh, freeing for some of these knockdown, drag out negotiations. Well, a lot of buyers. So if there was a, if there was a slowdown in home sales over uh, June, mm -hmm. and I imagine a lot of it's buyers that are just fed up and they wanted to yes. take a breather. With, right. it's, but remember, just taking a breather does not mean they decide not to buy a house. They're going to go back in the market after they, you know, maybe, well, I can tell you what they're doing. They're out here on the road competing for hotel rooms with us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, watch <laughs> what happens when school goes back. I think fourth quarter is going to be pretty hot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, point number six, more negotiation in general is normal in a balanced market. And I'm not talking about negotiation in the sense of here's 20 offers, choose one. Negotiation over specifics that were not allowable in a hot seller's market. Point number seven, potentially higher volume of sales due to more actually being for sale. This is all good. So when you hear some of these headlines, don't freak out. It's generally just an easing and a little bit of a settling of what's been going on. So in conclusion and your homework, several points here. First one is monitor your market and your micro markets closely. Make sure that you are more informed than your prospects are and you're operating based on facts. Remember that not all markets change at the same rate, so don't overgeneralize. You know, maybe the report is that San Francisco is still, you know, low on inventory and high prices and blah, blah, blah. But your listing that you're going on, that neighborhood doesn't have that same fact going. Make sense? Or two, again, but this goes back to, like, I remember when you and I were listing real estate, we'd go on um, an interview and someone had just read an article, in you know, a listing interview, and someone had just read an article in CNBC or or maybe even, you know, Columbus Dispatch. And sure. they was talking about huge house appreciation. And it was like, yeah, that's true for all the city, but not yours. <laughs> well, that's, you know? that's a very good point. And you have to be able to show them that they, you know, you have to have a, uh, a literate, I think, a literate understanding. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Yeah. Of how to explain the CMA and the numbers and the relevance of basically the differences between one market and the next. And sometimes, um, where were we, Julie? Mm -hmm. Oh, we were in... Um, um, 
visiting with your friend from high school. Yeah, up, Stephanie yeah. in Bellevue, Washington. Right. And so Stephanie in Bellevue, Washington was four streets away from a water view, basically. The difference in value in her house versus maybe one street, let alone four, was extraordinary. Like tens of millions of dollars. And yet it's the same neighborhood. It is the same neighborhood, the same schools, the same overall experience, just mm -hmm. the view is different. And so if you don't understand that one side of the street makes a difference in the other, and she was explaining to us mm -hmm. in her, uh, in Bellevue, there was another dividing street, basically. Yeah. Then on one side of that street, all of a sudden, everything goes to the roof as far as far well, as real estate. And you and I drove down the hill mm -hmm. and we crossed the street. As soon as we crossed the street, it was obvious that we are in a different price That's range. Right. That's right. And yet just driving down that street, it would seem, and it probably is still in the same MLS code too. Yep. So that was some really good localized knowledge that if Stephanie were, for example, a seller prospect, you may be in danger of her knowing more about the neighborhood than you do. Yep. And this is why in our premier coaching, we highly recommend that before any listing presentation that you are not 1000% solid on, and you should really never even make that presumption, you should be doing previewing. You should be, you know, doing that specific uh, research before you actually go on that appointment. Well, we coach some of the top listing agents in the country. You guys know many of these names. You know, you've come across them. You've heard about them. A lot of them are on TV. And one of the things we tell them to do, no matter how fabulously successful they are at listing mm -hmm. homes, they should always have two or three different buyers that they're working with. Yes. And those buyers are, you know, you can have pretty high criteria, right? Maybe the buyer is a buyer that has a house to sell and you've got it listed. Mm -hmm. And you want to be working with buyers in different distinct price ranges, the same price ranges you list houses in. And it, the benefits of doing that, top listing agents are huge. Number one, you obviously, you know, you're going to sell a house. Yeah. Number two, you're going to be staying on top of what is going on in the market. And number three, when you go into, and there's tiny little idiosyncratic changes that happen in buyer's preferences that if you're not working with buyers, you're going to completely miss. And it's stupid mm -hmm. things, especially in the high end, like kitchen preferences will change. Like all of a sudden you'll start seeing people no longer want white kitchens and now they want this color or that color. There's all, I remember uh, Frederick Eklund, mm -hmm. right? And, uh, you know, Frederick's been, uh, he's one of our superstars mm -hmm. and we had him on the podcast a couple times, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about one of the ways he has maintained an edge in Manhattan, and now he's expanded to Dallas and things like that, mm -hmm. representing new builders, is that he'll go to Europe and he looks to see what the trends are in Europe, and then he'll, you know, magazines and whatnot, and then sure. he'll, in brochures, mm -hmm. and then he'll take those and he'll show them to his New York builders. And the New York builders who are all building based on old styles of mm -hmm. like what people's expectations right. were. Now, Frederick was saying, well, let's go ahead. That's all great, but let's go ahead and introduce this color or these fixtures or this style sink or, you know, all the rest of it. And then that builder now has a competitive advantage in the marketplace. This stuff seems silly. But when you're working with really upper ends to use that price range or to use that as an example, they are going to know the differences because guess what? They were just in Europe or they like the fact that it's different from the place that they're selling or like the fact that it's different than the place that all their friends have. Otherwise, right. everything just becomes homogenized. Like the, the neighborhood where Julie and mm -hmm. I uh, live in Puerto Rico, it's, it is a very upper end area. It's in a Ritz-Carlton community. Um, you know, the average price of new construction there. I bet you it's five or six million dollars, but I have to tell you, it all looks identical. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like high end um, institutionalized housing. That's nice, but it's not really all that interesting. Exactly. It's and, it's and a... yet there's a neighborhood that uh, some of our friends live in, and those are more custom builders. I think there's a couple of different custom builders in there, and their product is really interesting. Um, a little bit more variety. I'm you trying can to think what you're more, talking about, um, Jessica and. Uh, 
oh, your car guy. country estates. Country estates. Yeah. And because it's not so cookie, cookie cutter, right? Yeah. Now let's, let's, we've been talking about Frederick and High End and Manhattan and, and our Ritz neighborhood, but let's, let's take this to well, the, the, let, the, but let yeah. me, re, let me ring this bell too, because sure. this is really important. So Rob Johnson, mm-hmm. who we've coached for a long time since he yep. got his license, basically, he was the number one agent in Greenwich, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And so Rob's situation is that like he has, has to stay way ahead of the curve of what the buyer's demands are. Mm-hmm. Because he's dealing with people from all over the world, and they'll buy, they'll look, and sometimes buy real estate off video, uh, off tours. Yeah, but his but, are international buyers. Well, I'll give you a really funny example. Mm-hmm. So you love Oriental rugs, especially Persian rugs, hand knotted wool rugs, yeah. beautiful things. Lots of detail. The ones that go back generations, and they're gorgeous, and they make a room look special. Sure. It's very Ralph Lauren-y feeling, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I remember this story. Well. He has to take the rugs out of these people's houses because the buyers don't want to see Oriental rugs. Oriental rugs in um, uh, In mansions, basically, in his market, are not desirous. So you see people – he will remove them. He joked with me once that he should start a rug store because all the rugs that he's had people remove from their houses and put in storage someplace or sell to the the rug merchant. And is that because – they want to see the natural floors or they want they everything want neutral everything... and super boring <clears throat> yeah. and you cannot have anything that's not neutral and super boring to an extent and mm-hmm. he said that he's had gone into some of these huge mansions and he has one in contract right now for 30 million for mm-hmm. example and he says he'll go in there and he's worked he works with really famous people often mm-hmm. ben salem out in la the same right. story and they'll go in they'll say this is what the buyers want. They want this and the other thing and the other thing. And when the sellers don't listen and prepping the house for sale, the houses don't sell. They expire. It's because the the buyer in any price range at this point. Now, in the very low price ranges, like, you know, I mean, you know, Julie and I are just poor people from Ohio. We've learned all this along the way. And we used to sell our first year in business. Our average sale price was like 110 grand or something. Right. Now, granted, we sold over 100 of them, but still. Because we had to. Yeah, we had to. <laughs> But when you when yeah. you look when you look at for example when you look at those price ranges people are still particular, uh, but they're not as particular. Most mm-hmm. people, ninety nine percent of the time, they're going to want to buy a house that needs no work, opposed to ones that needs rehab. So if you have twenty buyers, you're going to have two that will buy something that needs work, and you'll have eighteen that will buy something even paying more than what it no- normally be worth just for the sake of not having to do any work. Now, those, you bring up an interesting point. But those yeah. are the problems with you. These are the challenges a lot of you guys are going to have if all you're doing is your CMAs based on the information on the computer and you yeah. don't know the market and you don't know the buyer's preferences. It's the detailed stuff. And I tell you, as the market shifts even a little bit to even a little bit more inventory, then people get more particular, right? What you can get away with now because you're the only listing on the market is not the same as when you're competing with five others. Right. And you've got to know this stuff. And even, you know, we're talking about uh, correct pricing and knowing what the market expects. Even if you're in a totally cookie cutter, normal person neighborhood, you might need to know that, say, a split level doesn't go for as much as a two-story, even though they're side by side and they have the exact same alleged square footage. Showing our middle-class roots with I'm that just example, saying. Julie Harris. Well, and I hear from coaching <laughs> clients, like, why why isn't this appraising? It's got the same amount of square footage. You know, they're 1,800 and 1,800. And I but always ask funny, them, honestly. is it split or is it bi-level? Not every market has that kind of house. But anything below ground, an appraiser doesn't count the same way. Yeah. Now, a lot of this, and I, I used to hate it when people would say this to us, a lot of this comes with experience, but it is true. Here's the thing. When you're feeling, and some of you guys are, are having this um, you know, increased heartbeat right now because you're like, well, God, how am I going to figure all that out, right? And yes, it, some of it comes with experience. Some of you have an experience deficit, and you can backfill that with previewing and making sure you're out in the market and not hiding out in your office well, all day. The other shortcut is to join our coaching program. You guys like the podcast. Learn you from real, each other. You realize this is just basically a 
5% of what you learn in the coaching program. I mean, Premier Coaching is primarily, it's really, it's been developed over the last couple decades and it's uh, primarily designed to help you build your real estate business from A to Z. Whether you want to be a sole practitioner, whether you want to form a team, we talk about everything you could possibly imagine with, with regards to lead generation. But what the primary focus is, uh, we didn't originally intend it to be this way, but the primary focus is really teaching you how to be a listing agent because that is what we know will ultimately get you financial freedom because when you have listings, you essentially have all the MLS, all the agents out there trying to sell your listings while you're with us walking around looking at cars at Cromwell by the sea, right? I mean, the reality of it is, is being a listing agent gives you leverage and working with buyers, you are leveraged. So do the right thing and learn how to become a listing agent. Um, and all you've got to do is text the word success to 47372 or just go over to our website, timandjulieharris.com and join Premier Coaching. Premier Coaching, you can join for around $100 a month. It is, I don't know if there's anything else in the marketplace that offers as much. Guys, you get a daily semi-private coaching call, a daily semi-private coaching call with Premier Coaching. You get our listing presentation. You get our everything, every single script, a buyer presentations, a, the a pre-listing pack. You get all you get sample ads. Julie, what else do they get? You're the one that's in charge. Uh, tons of it. and tons of scripts, even uh, price reduction scripts. Should you need them, um, <laughs> when you got, need them uh, for rent by owner scripts, for sale by owner scripts, expireds, all the usual stuff. But we also have things like how to get more out of your center of influence, your 12 right. month center of influence plan. What should you be doing month by month? And you're going to be with like minded people that are on a mission, basically, to return sanity to real estate. Get away from this sort of you know built in buying leads. Thing that's quagmire that many of you are caught in. We don't spend a lot of time on things that aren't going to put you in a position to help people and make money. That's the reason this is probably the uh, country's most successful coaching program because A, obviously it's affordable, but B, it uh, checks all the box of what you need in your building of your real estate business. We have a ton of people that join that are experienced agents that want to go back and you know essentially fill their, their, uh, their knowledge deficit with regards to how to be powerful listing agents. The rules that applied in this market that we're leaving are not going to be the same rules that apply in the market that we're entering into. Learn how to be a listing agent. Guys, working with buyers, especially over the next couple of years, is going to be largely in some markets an act of futility because of all the reasons we've talked about on this podcast. Yes, work with buyers, but yes, you're then going to have to basically deal with a lot of frustrations. Meaning, the main one being in many markets, the buyer agent commissions are becoming a point of contention and they're actually dropping. So do the smart thing and become a listing agent. And don't give yourself any more excuses as to why you haven't done that yet. Join our premier coaching program. Text the word success to 47372. Julie, we got to get the hell out of this hotel yes. room before they throw us <laughs> before out. Before they throw us out. <laughs> That's right. Anything else you want to say to these well, guys? Well, we'll see you guys on the road. Yeah, see you on the road. Uh, do message us through Instagram at Tim and Julie Harris if you have any travel suggestions. <laughs> we truly, well, we found the um, uh, the place we went yesterday, the Air and Space Museum, from someone suggesting it to yes, us. Yes. So do great. consider sending us suggestions if you know some little hidey holes along the way that we should really be checking out. We'll do maybe two or three hours in the car, and then we're going to stop. <laughs> so any ideas, let us know. Um, just message us through Instagram, Tim and Julie Harris, um, and have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.